Hi, and welcome to Driving Test Tales. I am Terry from the future, just dropping in before the show to give you a quick note that I did have to take some time away from the show. And while I was off, I had to think about the format and which way I wanted to take Driving Test Tales. And I've just restructured it a little bit. So whereas I started off doing it in seasons, it is now just going to be an ongoing series of episodes. It'll be more fluid, won't necessarily be every fortnight. I'm aiming to get at least one episode out a month. But that's why over the first six or seven episodes, you may see a slight discrepancy about me talking on the show, saying season two, when actually... There's no seeds now, it's just an ongoing thing. So thank you for choosing to listen, thank you for listening to this, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes going forward. Driving Test Tales with Terry Cook. Stories from real people on how they pass their driving test. So welcome to Driving Test Tales. We hope that you're enjoying this show. If you are, make sure you go and uh, subscribe or follow, give us a like wherever you're listening. And if you feel extra generous, then leave us a five-star review. But on this episode, episode five, we're joined by the man of the moment, Anthony Ife. How are you, Anthony? I'm all right. How are you? I am brilliant. And thank you for joining us today, giving up your time to come and uh, talk to us about your driving test tale. So the first question I'm going to throw your way, the, the big question. Oh. Did you pass first time? Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Excellent. Where did you take your driving test? So I took it up in Skipton, up in Yorkshire. Excellent. Now I'm just thinking about the people I've had on so far. So we've had uh, Farnbury, we've had Horsforth, um, as someone tech there is over in Pontefract, I think it was, and, and now you're taking it in Skipton, which has got a wider variety here. Um, just thinking back to your driving test, how hard did you find it? Can you remember? All those four years ago. Yes. <laughs> I found it all right. I was obviously extremely nervous to start with. But obviously, I thought I had a very nice examiner at that point because obviously some people can be unlucky and they can have somebody on a bad day or they can just have a quite unhappy person. But I think mine was very nice with me. He just kind of let me yammer on because I'm very much a nervous talker. He had me nervous and I just keep talking. <laughs> so I just kind of kept talking to him. <laughs> well, whatever works for you, I think, um, again, I, the only one that I think is awkward is when you've got a student or, or someone on the test that, that wants silence but the examiner won't shut up. That's, that's the time it's awkward. When it's the way around, it's not too bad because then you're you're in control. Just speaking about your actual test for a minute, can you remember anything about it? Like, can you remember what manoeuvre you got or um, anything, I don't know, did anything go wrong on the day that or anything couple one expected? So since we were in Skipton, we did do quite a bit of back roads, like country roads. Yeah. And there was a van that came the other way on one of the country roads. But the van was very nice and helpful because it's all, I think it's all the examiner in the passenger seat. And it decided to reverse instead of me. It was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just miming thank you to him. And then obviously the examiner just waved when we were on the way past. Uh, my maneuver was bay parking, was reverse bay parking when we got back to the actual station, do you call it? Examination yeah, the thought. test center. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> well, that was mine. It was at the very end of the test. It went fine. The usual, just make sure, just open your door to check your eye in the space. But uh, like I said, one of the best bits of mine was the fact that I had this nice examiner. And I also had that part of the test where he showed me a load of directions in a presentation book that he had. And so that's what you're going to be doing. And I did have to ask him once just to remind myself of one of them. Yeah, that 
I remember that now because you did the test when they would give you like a series of directions, didn't you? Yeah. I think we got to a roundabout and that's when I was like, can I, can I just check that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, they've taken it out now. So when you took yours, I did like, like you said, you either, I think there was following signs or they'd give you a series of directions you had to go and follow. Um, and I think they've replaced that now with following SatNav. Um, how do you think you'd have fared doing SatNav? I use, I use a SatNav basically daily now because. I do drive on the motorway quite a lot towards my new work, which is like in an airport somewhere. So it's a lot of motorways. So I'm and I'm quite a techie guy in my spare time anyway. So I'm used to that kind of tech side. So I think I think I've fared quite well. But compared to someone who isn't as tech savvy as me, because my job is very tech savvy as well, they might find it more difficult. And I'm just touching back on what you were saying there about um, being unsure which way to go. I suppose this is partly aimed at you, but partly aimed for anyone listening. Um, if you do either go the wrong way on your test or you need to clarify where you're going, there's, there's no issue there. That's not a fault. It's just going a different way. Uh, you've not, as long as you do it safely, you've not done anything wrong. And like you did, you can always ask the examiner, although sometimes they give you the reply of, I'll let you do what you think is best. That's always <laughs> a good one. Um but yeah, I'd, they, I'd love that if they did that at a roundabout and you just kept going around. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm doing it. <laughs> well, I'll never forget one time I had uh, a student, she was in Horsforth, um, was asked to follow the signs, I believe it was for York, and immediately it takes you onto a dual carriageway. It's quite a long stretch where there's nowhere to come off. And she drove on there for about a minute and she said uh, to the examiner, I've not seen any signs, shall I keep going ahead? And the examiner just went, where else can we go? And she oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair enough. <laughs> um, speaking of your test uh, and the sort of the build-up towards your test, one of the reasons I wanted specifically to speak to you was I felt that that with with you there was a, a unique pressure uh, around your test because some people have pressure just because they're nervous. Others will have the pressure because maybe it's something job-related. But for you, if I remember right, there was a pressure that was almost family-related. Do you want to expand on that a little bit for me? Tim. For one, my family is very like car heavy. We are car people. My dad's a mechanic. My brother's a mechanic. So if you're not a car person, you're basically not in the family. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, my, I think all my three brothers all passed first time and my dad first passed first time as well. Well, you would expect that from someone who's now a mechanic. <clears throat> so it was obviously that pressure behind me as well to pass first time because all my brothers have. And not being the first one to obviously not pass because it just makes you feel a bit rubbish. <laughs> I must admit, um, knowing my family, if I'd have been the, the last one to take a driving test and everyone else had passed first time, I'd have been bricking it. I wouldn't want to be on the end of that ridicule. And... Yeah, it's because I'm the youngest as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you handle that pressure? Was was there anything you did or was there anything that um, uh, you did differently because of that or was it just, just head first into it? I think I'm very much a head first person, but definitely gives you more determination to do it. Yeah. rather than just someone going in who's just like an only child, for example. So you use that pressure almost as a positive. You used it to make you more determined to go in rather than running away from it. Yeah, even though sometimes when I'd go in my own car, which was I owned I get to the point, my very first car, my dad would take me out and that him. He was a bit more of a stressy teacher than yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we come on to that, we're going to your learning your lessons. I do just want to touch back because you spoke about uh, motorway driving before. So you do a lot of that. How do you find driving on the motorways? Because obviously I had somebody else teach me how to do it at the time. I didn't have motorway lessons, but I definitely recommend if you don't have somebody who's like 
confident on motorways or been on motorways a lot to have motorway lessons. It's just I was lucky enough to have somebody who went on motorways a lot themselves. But it's very much you have to get used to like the overtaking lanes. Some people just use them as complete fast lanes, as you'd call them. Or yeah. In America, I think they call them more fast lanes than I. Yeah. <laughs> and the, one of the, I know I'll probably get onto pet peeves later, but on motorways, wagons are going up hills is one yes. of the worst. Especially on, on my work journey, there is a kind of an overpass on the way to the airport. Yeah. And on the way back on the commute, it's always absolutely chock a block, absolute traffic jams, because there's been wagons at the front I'm trying to get over the hills. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just touching back on that, you said obviously uh, you'd had someone to help you there. And during your lessons, you had lessons away from lessons. That was with your, your dad. Um, you were also someone that only had me as an instructor, one you didn't have any other instructors. Started with me, finished with me. Yep. But you have lessons away from me with your dad. Um, what what can you recall what the difference you mentioned about your dad being more stressed if you like but can you remember the difference between driving with an instructor next to you and driving in your own car without i mean one of the obviously big differences is most learner drivers get to learn in a diesel it's like for example your your mini like you've you've never not have had a mini when i've learned with you <laughs> <laughs> i know you used to have a renault and things before that but you always have the mini with me and it's obviously if you're in a petrol car, which I was a one liter petrol, it's that rev straight on the pedal at the start when you set off. Because with the diesel, you can very much set off with the clutch and just go with it. With petrol car, you're going to have to put more revs into it on the accelerator pedal. And that's one of the biggest differences you find because you could jump straight. Somebody who's jumped straight off from one of your lessons and passed it straight into a petrol car will probably end up stalling it first time. <laughs> So too used to that clutch control on a diesel. But yeah, as you were saying, my dad, I think he kind of had enough by the time he got to me as a fourth <laughs> child, to be honest. <laughs> it kind of got to the point where it's just, my dad's someone who basically always holds on to the handle in the car, maybe all the time. Yeah. But I was one of the only people who didn't, which was, you can show some kind of confidence in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was interesting what you said about the cars there as well, because... That's something that the longer I've been an instructor, that's the more I now, something I talk about more is how different cars can be going from one to the other. Uh, and like you said, you were lucky enough to have your own car that you, or another car to go out and practice in. So you're able to see the difference between one and the other. Whereas if someone just has lessons, and there's nothing wrong with this, some people will only have lessons with one instructor and their next car will be when they buy one. Is different, and that's something I try harder now than I used to to actually prepare people for. And you know, be aware the clutch will feel different. Be aware you may need to use gas. Be aware the the indicator may be on a different side or or whatever it is. So I think that's a really good point you made there. Yeah, but, I think with with that as well, they have to bear in mind insurance side of things because yeah. they think they might leave you and go, "Yes, I want a diesel mini too." Go straight on the internet on insurance. You can't afford it if you're like seventeen. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is again another good point. Um, thinking about the insurance of the car before you buy it, but also being sure that that if you go out and have lessons in your own car, make sure you're insured on that. Um, because the last thing you want is to get pulled for not being insured when you're driving or practicing or learning to drive. Um, speaking of learning to drive, when you were actually learning to drive, um, can you remember anything that you found difficult around learning? Because I'm going to chuck my R in or my uh, my 
Sue Bensworth in first, if you like, and just say that you, a lot of driving seemed to come, I'm really to say natural, because I think that takes away from the, the effort that you put in, but I don't really recall there being anything that you massively struggled with. Um, would you agree with that, or is there anything that kind of stands out for you? I think the only time I struggled slightly was when I was thinking too much about doing something. Like going into, for example, parallel parking, which I actually found relatively easier than I thought it was going to be. But parallel parking is one of those things that everybody thinks they're going to do rubbish at because there's the stigma around parallel parking. Well, when it actually comes to it, that's one of the easier things to do. And then when you come to like reverse bay parking, which you thought was the easier thing, that turns out to be harder. <laughs> or like the, the turn in the road, which is always one of the most awkward because it depends where you are, where you are turning in the road. Like I've done that a few times, but it also depends on like the size of your car. And you've also got a bigger car than I do. I've had three cars now. And obviously it changes every time how different they are. And I'm in a Kia Picanto, which is obviously tiny. But I've had my car before this one was a bit bigger. But yeah, besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it's right. And like you said, when you're overthinking it, and I think a lot of it, as you mentioned, is a stigma beforehand. And the one for me is always hill starts. Um, if... I get a student who has been told by their friends and their family that hill starts are difficult, they will struggle with hill starts. If they haven't, then they don't struggle. And it's interesting the way that that works. Um, All right, so moving on from that, because, again, I'm in fact, do you know what, while you're on, I liked how you approached your lessons. And I think this is um, almost relevant for anyone that's listening to take on board because you were someone that very much took ownership of your lessons. I can remember this in that you would come in and, and you would always talk to me about what your concerns were, or if you'd been out with your dad, what you'd, you'd done with your dad or what went, what was good and what didn't go so well and, mm-hmm. and what you wanted to work on. Um, and I thought that was really good because a lot of people come in and expect to be told that you come in saying, this is what I think I need to work on today. Um, how do you find that benefited you rather than just turning up and being told what to do? I mean, it just, I think it definitely boosts your kind of development stage of things. Because if you just come in having no idea what you want to start with, you just kind of fall into a kind of a hole rather than coming in knowing what you're going to do and says, yes, I'm going to do this today. And kind of just pushing yourself to do that one thing. If you just come in with no idea and say, if you're a uh, instructor like yourself and go, okay, we're going to do a turn the road straight away, which I know you wouldn't do. But you say you're just going to do that, you just get too stressed over it because you had no idea that you were going to do that and you're in no way prepared. So I'm going to move on now and I'm going to ask you about your experiences since passing your test. So it's been about four years. Uh, so first of all, how has passing your test and being able to drive actually benefited you? So obviously, it's actually opened up a load of avenues depending on what I can actually do day to day. So before then, I had to take public transport, which we all love, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the expensive public transport system but it's the freedom which is a big thing with driving <clears throat> just being able to go further go on holidays somewhere else and go on holidays on your own go on holidays with the person you're with at that point in time it's just that freedom behind it and being a very car person buying your first car or being able to spend time in your own car just makes you feel good as well or put your own music in that's always a great thing yeah getting your first cd inside your car just like Yes. <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I think that um, being in charge of the music is, is definitely a privilege <laughs> having a car. And I will say, I, I like your what you said there around, you know, the, the holidays and, and, and so on. Um, I think that the, I'm thinking back to when I passed and um, 
I think my idea of freedom was slightly different and it, it was the day-to-day stuff. It was the fact that I could go to Asda whenever I wanted. You know, I could go and do my shopping. I don't have to rely on someone else. And and the other one was um, going to the cinema because where I lived, it was really, really awkward to get to the cinema. And I love the cinema. I've got a car. It's like, right, I'm going three times a week now. So yeah, like, like obviously I lived in a tiny little Yorkshire town, yeah. which didn't have a bunch of amenities in it. <laughs> so if I wanted to go anywhere to do something, I normally go to like Harrogate or Skipton. Or if I went to Leeds, I'd still take the public transport because the parking price is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you for that one. Um, so since you've passed your test, you've obviously been driving around for the past four years. You've been, uh, been around the country. What have you noticed on the roads as in um, bad habits over drivers or pet peeves, things that annoy you? What have you noticed from other drivers? So a big one, talking about multiple drivers as well, because of... That's another thing that it's helped me with because now I can drive to work, for example. I, I drive to work every well, three days a week now after everything that happened in the past year. But yeah, <laughs> apart from that, it's like one example on motorways and outside of motorways is indication. Like if you're on a roundabout, people don't indicate to come off. If you're changing lanes, people don't indicate to change lanes. And then you're doing it. Just like, why can't you just do what I do? <laughs> yeah. Or like when it's getting, maybe saying the wrong word there, when it's absolutely blasting you down with rain and people are starting to turn on the lights and then somebody takes past you in the complete darkness, no lights on, just like, just look at everybody else. We've all got our lights on right now. <laughs> yeah, I can concur with that. And in fact, I do just want to ask you a question around that. For example, with a roundabout or the signaling or whatever. In that situation where on a driving lesson, you would maybe rely on the instructor, not necessarily lie, but feel more comfortable because the instructor's there knowing that you could ask, can I go now? Or knowing that even if you knew you could go, the the instructor could put their foot on the brake or they could tell you not. So even if you're not relying on them, in the back of the head, they're like a safety net. How did you manage that transition from that to all of a sudden being on that roundabout, not knowing if you can go or not because no one's signalling and you've got to make that decision yourself? I mean, it's like something you used to say is that if there's somebody behind you, basically just disregard them because it doesn't matter how long you wait for because of the people behind it. They can just be impatient. They can beep at you if they want, which I've had before, which was probably a BMW driver. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of thing, like you said, safety net, that it's using your common knowledge of safety. So if you don't know they're going to turn, just don't move because there could be the chance that they just do just turn off while you're already going through and they just go straight and pile drive to the side of you. It's ha- having that safety awareness of you rather than just asking somebody next to you. Even though it is useful when you have someone next to you sometimes and they can see around a blind corner where you can't. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, that's good. And again, even if we just look at the driving test for a minute and, and something I say, and I'm always careful how I phrase it because there's instructors that listen to this, so they may not necessarily agree with this one, but I always think that if you're try to decide whether to pull out. And I'm thinking specifically about a test day. If you miss an opportunity to go, you'll probably still pass because you can take the next opportunity. So yes, you might pick up a driver fault for undue hesitation. As long as you're not ridiculous about it, you'll still pass. If you pull out in front of another car, you're going to fail. So I, I, and even if you take that away from the test into real life, if you miss an opportunity to go, you can take the next one. If you pull out in front of a car and car plows inside of you, that's not really how you want to end your day. 
Yeah, all your tests. <laughs> all your tests, whichever you prioritize. <laughs> I mean, I won't go into cyclists because that's nearly everybody's bad people at some point. <laughs> Have you had any bad experiences with cyclists? They just, um, it's just like them cycling in groups, like sideways rather than in long lines, is one of the main things. They're just too busy chatting to each other that they don't realize a car's going to be on. And by the time you're there, they can't move. <laughs> See, I used to think that, but. I've I've rethought the way I think around that now because if you imagine, like you say, two or three cyclists that are, are clumped together, if they were in a long line, then that should be harder to overtake, wouldn't they? Because you'd have to yeah, be mean, overtaking I, them for longer. I mean, it just depends on how big the group is, I guess. Like if it's a group of three, then that's just easy enough. Yeah. If it's like you said, it's a whole group of say Ilkley's cycling group, which I've seen a few times. Yeah, that's massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and then you just get stuck behind them for most of the way. All right. So, what advice would you give to anyone uh, listening to this around their lessons, around their tests, anything like that? I think we've said uh, quite a few things all the way through, but it's just remembering, like remembering, like it's a school exam, for example, and remembering what all your teachers say, like what advice they give you. So, try not to stress. I know it's a rubbish advice to give to just say try not to stress, but it is kind of that kind of thing. And going in. I know it's a test when you're going in, but you have to kind of treat it like it's not. Like you've done all these kind of tests before, or you've done practice tests with you, or you've done practice tests with your dad or whoever helped you practice. Just try to treat it like it's a practice test. Yes, it's a new person, but that person is still a person. But that's one of the biggest things I used to say in school because I was quite like a prefect kind of person in school. It's like just treat your teachers like they're anyone else. It's still a person. They're just doing their job. <laughs> yeah. No, see, I think that's good advice. And, and I know, like you said, don't stress. But it's not stressing, uh, find a way not to stress that works for you. So, for example, for you, it was very much you had this pressure on in that you didn't want to be the the first of your family to fail. So you use that as a motivator rather than a deterrent. And I can remember on lessons there were a couple of times you, not let it bother you, that's probably the wrong word, but just let it affect you slightly for one lesson. But then next session you'll be back like, okay, this is what we're doing to combat that. So it's using it as a driver. And I think that, excuse the pun, um, and I think that that's, again, a really relevant point around the test in that you don't have to think of it as a driving test. Think of it as a driving lesson or think of it as just going for a drive. The the examiner is literally just there giving you directions. You know, they can't tell you whether you've passed or not until you've finished the test. So there's no point. thing in, in school or in tests or at work. Your boss is still a person. Your teacher is still a person. Examiner is still a person. They're yeah. just doing. They're just there doing their jobs. You can choose to treat them like anybody else. Exactly. And I always think, all right, it's a little bit different at the minute because there's a, a backlog of tests. But you can take your driving test as many times as you want. There's no limit on it. So there's a lot less pressure in that sense when you just take a step back and go on. This isn't like my GCSEs or my degree where if it goes wrong, I'm kind of a bit screwed. Yeah. You fail your driving test, just take it again. You know, it's it's not as demanding in in that sense. Yeah, so I would agree with all that advice. I think that's that's really relevant, and I think it's stuff that people can take on board. And the the other question I was going to ask you, I mentioned about um, things being a little bit different now. At the moment, the uh, driving test, if you go out on it and you uh, fail, so maybe you get 10 minutes in and you make a serious mistake, the examiners actually bring you back rather than continue the test. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you took yours, now I know you you passed first time, so you didn't get the experience of failing, but if you failed, you would have continued on with the test. 
and then come back at the end. I'm interested to know which of those sort of scenarios you would have preferred. You know, if you went for your test and failed 10 minutes in, and let's imagine you know you'd failed because the examiner had to use a break, for example. Would you have preferred to have continued to get the experience of the test or would you have rather just have gone back to get it done and over with? I think I would probably prefer them just to drive back just because once you fail, once you know you failed, that kind of effort that you were going to put in kind of fades away. Because every time you do something, you're just trying to pick yourself up now. So every if they give you another maneuver to do, if you didn't fail a maneuver, if you fell on something else, and then you get to a maneuver, you might just fail the maneuver because you're too busy thinking about it now. It's like, I've already failed one thing. What might I want to do here? So I might have preferred just to come back. Um, it's interesting hearing different people's thoughts on that um, and how the how everyone's got kind of a different take on it. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners? No, apart from if they want to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you, Anthony? Well, I am a digital marketer from Esper Time, as Terry knows. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Anthony Ife. It's I-F-E. It's quite easy to find me. I'm one of the first ones. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll put a, a link on the, the show notes as well. Uh, and yeah, just a, a quick shout out to Anthony. Uh, the, the years, a few years ago when I went as an independent instructor, he uh, helped me massively, pretty much all of uh, my website. He did a, a smashing job. Uh, and not just that, he actually helped me understand a bit more around it because I'm very much haven't got a clue uh so yeah and, and if someone i still turn to now for advice on this stuff um so yeah be sure to uh to to check him out uh, but yeah really appreciate you joining us and really appreciate you giving us your time today and yeah it's great and we really appreciate you listening so if you've listened to the show and you've enjoyed it make sure you uh go follow or subscribe wherever you're listening give us a like and give us a nice little five star review and if you're feeling super duper generous go and share it on social media and tell all your friends as well and don't forget if you are a learner of terry give him a good review as well <laughs> yes I, I should be saying that more often on this show if if you've learned by me and you're trying to listen to this go find me on facebook and give me a review on facebook and share me as well see this is why i got you on the show to give me these tips and insights i mean i have given you a review so you can see me on there <laughs> yes um go compare your review to Anthony's and see who does the best one <laughs> but no thank you for joining us today and thank you for listening driving test tales with terry cook Stories from real people on how they pass their driving test. <laughs>